Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. All right. Tried a little juice today. I think we're starting to get there, Wes. We're starting to be on the mend we're a little bit. We're on the mend, baby. Let's go. Got some volume behind it. Getting a little saucy with the voice. <laughs> now, I just don't know how long it's going to last today. Maybe by 1 o'clock, it all starts to go to the wayside. But at least right now, I got a little more juice on a Thursday edition of Wes and Walker. We want to hear from you. We want you to text in. We want you to share your thoughts and your comments, as always, on the text line. 704-570-9610. The number is 704-570-9610. Not only is it Wes Bryant, not only is it Walker Mail. Josh Fiddy Marlowe, you might have heard him in the morning today. We got Shrop It Like It's Hot on the board, Wes. We- Shroppy back in the building with us, and, uh, you know, we love it. Aaron Shropshire on the ones and twos. <laughs> Instead of the Fiddy Flash, it's everybody's favorite midday sports update. Shrop It Like It's Hot. Shroppy, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. Always glad to be on the board for you guys. We always have a good time, so. What I love, too, is when you are on the ones and twos, it, you mentioned it earlier today. Some of the listeners and big shout out to Big Cat Dan, who always gets real hype when we go to shop it like it's hot. It's not one I feel like we can skip anymore. And I love Alan Jackson. I love Queen. I love the Fitty Flashes, no doubt about it. But when Shrop gives us a couple of updates, we can't skip over that. Like we got to make sure we're really disciplined and on time today so we can make sure we hear some Snoop Dogg. Just my feelings on it. Just my feelings. How are you doing today, Wes? You doing good? Doing great, man. I was going to say Shroppy's name. It sounds so regal. It sounds like he comes <laughs> from a billionaire family. Aaron Shropshire. Yeah, you know, it does. It does. I don't know if you guys have seen the, the Shropshires f- are coming <laughs> over for dinner. I don't know if you guys have seen the Family Guy episode, but it's, you know, Bottom Tooth Wellington and all of that stuff. Yes, sir. How do you do? Aaron Shropshire. Shrop it like it's hot right now. That's yep. how it does sound. 100%. That's very astute of you. All right. Let's pull up to the scene. He's got his Class C license. I, th- I think it's whatever class it is when you're able to drive the bus, but whatever it is, Shroppy's got it. He's pulling up to the scene. Open up the door, Shrop. Let's get off the bus. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! Wes, I have a question for you. Okay. I have a question for the listeners as well. Everybody gets to answer this. We had a bad tenure with Matt Rule. It was ugly. 
we got to see him be the first coach fired in season just last year, and then Steve Wilkes takes over, and they play respectable football. They have an identity. It's why we thought Steve Wilkes could be the right guy for the job. Eventually, David Tepper decides on Frank Reich. We all had that debate. We opened up the phone lines. People were frustrated. But then a lot of people started to warm up to the idea of Frank Reich as the head coach. My question is, here in week four, after a Vikings loss with Bryce Young, where we had hope that this could be the game that the offense starts to click. It started off hot after a Sam Franklin pick six, but then the offense only scored six points. Is it fair to say that we hit rock bottom in week four? I saw a lot of people on my timeline starting to play with the idea, man, I don't think I felt this bad last year because hope is a very dangerous thing. We had hope this season. Mm -hmm. We had hope that we might even win the NFC South. I had a nine-win projected season. You were a little bit on the lower end. Other people were a little bit higher. But now we're talking about worst team in the NFL, maybe outside of Chicago type of projection. (laughs) That's how it looks, certainly with the way the offense is performing. And so when you go from possible playoff appearance, possible division title, even if we did that because the division was weak, Do you feel like Panthers fans hit rock bottom given the expectations coming into the season? Does it get lower than what we experienced week four? Yeah, I think it could be lower as far as it depends how you want to look at it. Do you want to go overarching and say, okay, well, what if you were in this position with, and I know this draft coming up has some great quarterbacks, but what if you were in this position with no quarterback and you had somebody, I don't know, Jake Lutton starting at quarterback or uh, that's how you say it, right? It's it's Jake Luton, but yeah, Luton. like I know what you're like, saying. What if though. you had Jake Luton as your starting quarterback? Or Luke Walton, if you're a announcer right, on the right. Panthers right. What broadcast. if you had Jake Luton as your starting quarterback? Or what if you were completely devoid of any talent? And so I think that in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it's rock bottom because you do have Bryce Young. And we talked about yesterday the rookie quarterbacks who had very slow starts and how their careers ended up so that you don't know. So I think that still gives you a glimmer of hope, even though he's not looking the way some of his rookie counterparts are looking at the moments. I think that can be a little discouraging. But no, I I don't think it's rock bottom, and it's not like you're getting absolutely blown out every single week. You had a close game uh, with the Dolphins. You had uh, Not the Dolphins. You had the close game with the Vikings. You played close games for the most part. I know they put out the stat about the Panthers leading in, uh, I think, each of the games that they played this season, but still 0-4, leading at some point during the game. Yeah. So it's not like you're just going out getting obliterated every single yep. week. John the Beer Man wrote in, it's the hope that kills you. That's the thing for me. <laughs> th- th- this is why I actually think we did hit rock bottom in Minis- against the Minnesota Vikings. At least that's what the morale felt like to me. And I'm not saying that the production can't get any worse. I'm not saying that we could go into week eight, week nine, and we'll have a win under our belt and we'll feel a lot better, right? But you have a game against the Lions, which there's a reason if you lost to Minnesota, everybody had you at 0-6 off the rip. So if you had hope against Minnesota, you only put up six points. That is a big-time disappointment. If you lose to Detroit, then it's not going to be as big of a fall. If you lose to Miami, we're not going to have this monster disappointment because we all expected to lose that particular game anyway. 
with the way Houston is playing now, we're already starting to get ourselves prepared to possibly lose to the Houston Texans. Maybe you want to say that would be rock bottom because it's C.J. Stroud, a guy you had a chance at on the other side. Bryce Young doesn't look good against Detroit or Miami. And then if he doesn't look against good against Houston, C.J. Stroud does. Maybe that's how you hit the bottom floor. But for me, I just don't know if I'm going to feel much worse as a Panthers fan this year because of the way that, hey, if we can just do something positive against Minnesota, then maybe we can hit the ground running and compete against Detroit, compete against Miami, and then go on that stretch where you have Houston, Indianapolis, Chicago. Maybe we can make some noise in that middle of the stretch. But now you don't have any hope for that even right now. Like Chicago, first take was having debate whether Chicago right now is worse than the defeated Lions in 2008. Some people thought Chicago was worse. Dan Orlovsky said that the Chicago Bears right now were worse than that (laughs) 0-16 team. But if Carolina loses to a team that is being discussed on first take as being one of the worst teams in the last 30 years, worse than a team that did not win a football game, maybe, maybe that is when you get to a rock bottom point. But, man, it's got to be pretty damn close what we experienced after week four. Well, I think, too, it depends on the messaging from the franchise. And I think that's the thing that's gotten everybody so upset is the fact that the messaging was that these moves were made to elevate what you were last year. A lot of people thought, hey, you barely missed the playoffs last year. Could have possibly won the NFC South. So a lot of people came into this year thinking the division, for one, was going to still be the same with just bad teams and nobody really seizing control of the division. That's what people thought first and foremost. Then they thought with Bryce Young coming in, hitting the ground running immediately, additions that were made that weren't necessarily ground-breaking moves, but solid moves that they could win with. And then the fact that the coaching staff and everybody that was brought in through there, there was never messaging that, hey, this is a rebuild. The fans need to be patient. We have to take time to build a winner. I think if that had been the messaging that, hey, you know, eventually we'll get there, we're rebuilding at the moment, then I think people wouldn't be as upset because as a fan, I've been through this with the 49ers a few times where it was just bad. And you're just patient. You get excited for the draft. You're like, man, who are they going to draft? What's the future look like? And you just kind of are patient with the process. But the messaging from the franchise was not that. And I think that's what's attributed to all of this. Well, and I get 704 numbers, you know, saying rock bottom is winning one or two games and not having a first round pick. And and I get that. But (laughs) by that time, the hope is already lost. Right. But by the time you get to the end of this season and you only have one win or zero wins, if that already if that takes place, then the hope is already lost. I saw, I think one of the stats tells you that the Panthers have a above 5% chance now to reach the postseason. Chicago is the only team that's worse, and they have an above 4% chance. And that was not the case at the beginning of the season. You're right. If you are the front office, if you are a part of any messaging that is supposed to go out to the Panthers fan base, you cannot hide behind the fact that this was always going to be a rebuild. Dog, you told me that you could drop a quarterback in this roster and be ready to go. And you got the number one overall pick to do so. You can't tell me now that this is going to be this major overhaul. What kind of rebuild is it when you don't have a first-round pick? Yeah. You didn't trade Brian Burns because you wanted a face and somebody to help you right here, right now. You traded Chris McCaffrey. That never indicated a rebuild because you had talked about it even the year prior because of the running back market that exists in today's NFL. This was never sold to us as a complete rebuild and to stay patient. You talked to us about we could rebuild, we could retool, and we could win now. I mentioned it a million times. 
threading the damn needle. I thought they were doing a good job, but I was naive. It's really hard to do both, and Carolina is showing us that as we speak. Yeah, it is. It's very hard to do both, and I think at some point that's going to have to be the messaging. You're going to have to come tell the fans, hey, this is going to be a process, but I think there may be some stubbornness uh, to do so. You talk about the McCaffrey trade and whether he went to the 49ers or wherever he went. I think in their heart of hearts, too, they thought that eventually he was going to break down and not be the player that he once was, and we see to the contrary uh, that has been the belief, and so I think that's the conundrum they have as far as do they want to trade Brian Burns and not that they think that he's done by any stretch of the imagination but it's like do you really want to go into full out rebuilding mode trading guys for draft picks trying to get back some draft capital um this offseason and hopefully the offense gets better we talked about it too with the improvement with the hopeful improvement of the offensive line. Austin Corbett coming back, not expected to play in the next, I think, couple of weeks. But when he comes back, I expect the offensive line to be better just because it's been so bad without Austin Corbett in there. That's the kind of consistency we want to see, and so does Frank Reich. Let's talk about that a little bit more on the other side of the break. Is it as simple as seeing the offensive line get better with Austin Corbett And is this offense going to be held back by the production of this offensive line going forward? Is that something that's going to continue? We'll discuss it on Wesson Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Just asking, is there a possibility at the end of the season? Could we look back and say, yeah, this Vikings game the week after, that was the moment where we hit rock bottom. 704-570-9610. Tony Stallings trying to keep it positive on the airwaves, man. I appreciate you. He said, let's talk about hope, my man. Bryce is about to be like a phoenix, rise from the ashes, and take this Panther team to the NFC South promised land. Okay. I appreciate you, Tony. We were a little too dark. I'm sorry for coming in dark on a Thursday. (laughs) NASCAR Brad said, happy Thursday, guys. Now the show can start. He's trying to bring some positivity. I came in here with too much negativity, man. I apologize. Hey, I'm, man, you know, sometimes you need it. That's what they're there for. Well, and, and maybe I'm even trying to bring the positivity with saying it can't get any worse, right? Maybe, if we want to flip it that yeah, way. Yeah, no doubt about it. You, you have to think about it that way when you're like an 0 and 4 <laughs> team, man. You have to be like, listen, it can't get any worse. Um, 704 asked this question, which I think is a good one. Is apathy below rock bottom? I think overall, yes. I think individually in how we feel, if – if I'm apathetic, then I just don't care anymore. And you can't hurt me anymore, Panthers. Right. If I'm apathetic, then you can't hurt me. But you hurt me. 
And this is why for me individually, I don't think I can get any lower than this, especially if we're Bryce fans, we're Panthers fans and nothing looks phenomenal right now. But again, I should say this. It doesn't mean that we think Bryce Young is automatically a bust. I know a lot of people are going to write in right now. They're typing. I was trying to make the sound effect on the keyboard. <laughs> They're typing right now, making sure that we know how they feel. Bryce is a bust, but it's still way too early. And hopefully Bryce having a lot of completions, <laughs> getting over 200 yards in this past game. There's the Joe Person article about the third and 11th throw to Adam Thielen. I believe you had that in your second take Tuesday arsenal yep. yesterday, Wes. So we are seeing signs. We are seeing him get surgical with it, like Denzel Washington in training day. We do <laughs> see a little bit like that. But I'm hoping that we continue to see that as the season goes on. And I have some belief. I really do. I mean, that's what a rookie year is all about, man. And that's the thing. And I hope that Bryce isn't just too busy reading press clippings and looking at what some of his rookie counterparts are doing. It's a process. And I think he knows that. He's smart enough to know that because I feel like he knows a lot of what's going wrong, uh, what they can do to correct it. It's just situational, man. That's why football is the, the greatest team sport when you talk about everybody has to be on one accord. Like, yeah, Bryce could come out there and get right, but then the offensive line might not be having a good day or the running backs or the receivers or whatever the case may be. So I think that he knows that. I don't think at this point he's discouraged to the point he feels like there's no hope. I think he definitely has hope, and I think he knows that he'll be able to get his game on track, and I think he knows what's ailing this team and what they need to do. I agree with you. Hopefully that all happens. 704-570-9610. Dizzle wrote this one in. Reminds me of Snoop Dogg again. We got a couple of Snoop Dogg references here. He said, hate to disappoint, but Hutchinson is going to be too much for this Panthers offensive line for Bryce to get going against Detroit. I know you are a huge fan of Aiden Hutchinson. Big, big. Showed a lot of talent his rookie season. Uh Showing more of that as we get into the sophomore campaign. So Aiden Hutchinson is going to be hard to block. No doubt about it. This offensive line also has been really bad so far to this point. They've been atrocious. We know about Chandler Savala. We know about trying to find the answer to the lack of interior protection. We know about pass blocking. Iki Kwanu has not been good. Run blocking, he's been a little bit better. But pass blocking, not been good this year. Taking a step back. My boy Taylor Moten, he's been, I mean, I think by far the best pass protector. But also, it's like, look, it's a low bar to clear, at least this season. Wes, is the offensive line and lack of protection holding back what Frank Wright can do with this offense and holding back a sense of consistency you hope to gain? I think it's playing a lot into it. I think that, again, the Seattle game kind of threw a wrench into the plans when you talk about what Andy Dalton was able to come in there and do. And the offensive line even broke down in the fourth quarters of that game. And the Panthers had a chance. They were right there. And so I think it kind of hurts the debate a little bit because everybody's going to say, well, look what Andy Dalton did. Are they going to say, look at what CJ Stroud does with uh, the offensive line being as limited as it's been there in, in different scenarios like that. So I think that in this case, the Panthers offensive line, the depth is not there. And then the guys who are starters that you're depending on aren't playing well. And so it's a matter of not good personnel on this line And, yeah, it's going to hurt your play calling because you say to yourself, you look at Hutchinson right now, he leads the NFL most pressures with 27 of those. He's got three and a half sacks. This Lions defense is really starting to come into their own. So as a coach, you're sitting there like, okay, yeah, I'd like to throw the ball deep, but is Bryce going to have the time? 
I mean, are we going to stay ahead of the chains? That's another thing. This Lions defense is the number one rush defense in the NFL as well. They're only giving up 60 yards a game. So it's like if I'm sitting in third nine, third and ten, the whole game, I feel like my quarterback's in danger, so I might call screens or I might call some different things to get the ball out of his hands quickly if I feel like guys have no answer for what's coming at them as far as the pass rush goes. I mean, we've not only seen guys getting beat one-on-ones, we see guys, the confusion, there's a lack of IQ on the line. Yeah, I mean, you see on the forced fumble, um, number 90, I forget to say, Jonathan Bullard, he drops out when it looks like they're all coming and everybody's going to be covered a hat to a hat. He drops out. Confusion on the right side. Minnesota gets the big sack, force fumble, scoop, and score. And so when you're coaching, you're seeing things like that on a consistent basis. That's just not it, – it, the thing is, it's not just a one-all. This is a consistent thing with this line, whether teams run stunts or they're running zone blitzes or anything like that. They have trouble with everything. And so I do think as a coach, you do have to factor that in into your play calling and your game plan because you just feel uh, handcuffed as far as what your offensive line is capable of doing. Yeah, and and we got one text in. Where's the tight end help for the offensive line? I think I heard Colin mention that one time as well. That's something that you're going to have to do. You talked about this. Remember, David Newton brought this up on ESPN, and it was last year where we actually liked what Icky did. Here we are talking about him taking a step back. Yes. Icky played pretty well, but also you start to go back and look at the advanced stats and just research, just go over some game film. Icky got help last year. Right. And for me, of course, you want to be able to put him on an island against average to even top tier pass rushers when you're the sixth overall pick and you're the top left tackle taken in the mix where there were a lot of guys or at least three players in the mix to be the top left tackle taken. So you want Icky to be able to handle guys one-on-one didn't so much last year. You were hoping to see that this season. It hasn't happened. Do you just go back? Is it as simple as that? Wes, can you just go back to what Steve Wilkes and even Matt rule to be fair after the first game or two with Icky, could you go back to last year and say, all right, we're going to start from square one again. You know, what we're going to do is bring Icky some help a little bit more so, tied in on the left side, you know, make sure that we got a couple bodies on whatever edge rusher that he's matched up against and then let Icky go at him after a chip or whatever. Uh, how many ways can you help an Icky Aquanu like you did last year when we all thought, yeah, this is somebody that did look pretty good his rookie season? It's so difficult because at this point, you get so much leakage from the entire line. And not yeah, only that, it, it's a mentality thing. They look like they lost their confidence. You talk about Chandler Zavala right now. I don't care what he tells you. There's no confidence in his game right now. With all the pressures he's given up, as many times as he gets beat. And so when you're not confident out there, you're thinking too much. And now when these blitzes and things like that come pre-snap, you're getting nervous because you're so worried about giving up a sack or a pressure that you're not thinking about the assignment. You're not assessing what the defense is doing. I think that's the cause for some of the confusion that's going on up front with these guys. I think they're not a confident group. Uh, They know the ridicule that they take, especially playing with a Bryce Young that's a smaller quarterback to where 
every little thing they do is going to be magnified. Whereas if they were playing with a guy that had more size, I mean, yeah, they would still get ridiculed, but it's just even more magnified because people feel like that they have this quarterback back there that's going to break if they don't block for him. So that adds to it. Well, and, and you bring it up. that That's totally right. Like 336 writing in. They can't because of guard play. It's subpar. And then he says, Wes, you're so right. So there you go. You and 336 like this. Very connected. But this is why I think Austin Corbett, when he comes back, if he's average, man, doesn't that make a monster difference up front? Because here we are talking about how much Icky is left on an island and you can't help him. Mm-hmm. So if you can't help him because you don't trust Savala, because you don't have all that much trust in Throckmorton, Bradley Bozeman also getting beat, by the way, as much as we love sure. him as a community guy, yeah, Bozeman's getting beat. So, okay, if Corbett comes in and then you bring out, you, you are quite literally, based off what we saw last year and what we've seen this year, you are quite literally taking the worst offensive lineman out and putting in your best offensive lineman in from last year. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a huge difference. Yeah. Huge. So, if Corbett comes back into the fold, maybe helping Bradley Bozeman a little bit, like, do you just have a chain reaction of improved play going to the left side of the line just by implementing Corbett because you get Savala out there, now you can even help Icky a little bit? Is that something that is realistic, Wes? Uh, a little bit. Uh, you know, he's only one man, and that's the thing about an offensive line. Like I said, we all know the numbers. We can all count. There's five of them out there. And so when you look at this crew right now, your number one pass blocker is Taylor Moten. According to PFF, he's got a 74 grade. Your next highest pass blocker is Icky with a 54. And after that, the grades just are unspeakable at this point. So, yeah, if you bring him back and, and you slide him out, let's say you want to put him at the left side and then you leave Throckmorton on the right side, Guy's got to play better. Yeah. Like he can step in there and do what he needs to do all day. But if, if, if the center, if if Bozeman's getting whacked and he gets put, because it's it's almost like levels. Like when you're looking at it at its basic core, and you're standing there on the side looking at levels. Well, if Bradley Bozeman's getting blown two to three yards in the backfield. No matter what Bozeman, I mean, it doesn't matter what, um, what Austin Corbett does. That's already an L, and then it could just just blow up in your face. Throckmorton gets beat. Bozeman gets beat on a play, whatever the case may be. So if you got one guy balling, yeah, it helps for sure. But nobody else really outside of Taylor Moten is playing decent football. And even Taylor Moten, his overall grade at this point is a 66-2. And Lord knows he's going to have his hands full with Aiden Hutchinson. Right. So, so Taylor Moten, the penalties need to stop for him. Yeah. I mean, that that's that, I think that's the biggest thing holding him back right now because if Taylor Moten didn't have these boneheaded penalties, which you're the veteran of the group, that needs to stop. As you know me, I, I, I have the joke. I really do like Taylor Moten, but also I have the joke of putting him in the top 10 now just to give a nice little ribbing to Fiddy and Wes. But the the penalties are maddening, and, and a lot of them have come from Icky. But like when you're the veteran of the group and you're getting some boneheaded penalties, we need that to stop. So if that can shore itself up, now you got another veteran you're working with with Corbett. I just it's it's our it's our only hope right now. That is Luke Skywalker is Austin Corbett. Help me, Austin Corbett. Oh, it's Obi Wan Kenobi. I apologize. Help me, Austin Corbett. You're my only hope to protect Bryce Young, the chosen <laughs> one, the last Jedi. Please help us out. That's what we are asking from him right now, and it's tied with Frank Reich. And so. You're right about that. The offense, there's a lot to be desired. 
Maybe we touch a little bit on the defense here with some of the guys that are like, it's funny to me, Wes, how the Panthers are 0 and 4. It's been a horrible start. I do think defensively, it's actually kind of hard to point to something that is massively disappointing. So if you go to Brian Burns, okay, you haven't paid him. Some people don't think he deserves $30 million a year, but Brian Burns has still been a good player for this team. Mm -hmm. Derek Brown coming out party. Cornerback was a huge issue. Dante Jackson, he's been disappointing for me. CJ Henderson's probably been playing better than what he did last year, right? Like he's had some bad moments, but I don't think you're pointing at CJ and saying, whoo, buddy, it just continues to be atrocious. He's playing better. And then he was hurt, but I don't think he's as bad as he was last year. Even the safety position, Xavier Woods balling when he stepped in. Sam Franklin comes in, has that pick six. Even if he got trucked by Kenneth Walker, it, it's not perfect. I just, am I wrong to not be able to find a massive disappointment on the defensive side? Maybe run game? I, it's just hard for me to find something, Wes. Yeah, when you look at this crew right now, they're 14th in pass rush win rate, and then they're 25th in run stop win rate. But Which that's not good. Picking something massively disappointing? I don't think so. I think you've gotten about what you thought you would out of Brian Burns. I mean, right now you look at it and – uh, he's having a pretty solid year. He leads the team in sacks. He's got three of those. You'd like to see him be a little bit more disruptive because I saw uh, a text on the line that I was going to bring that up. Scott Belmont asked, would we rather have Hutchinson or Burns? And I think, you know, when I watch Brian Burns play this season, I, I think he's giving it his all on every snap. And I think that teams are certainly focusing their game plan towards him. Uh, just the thing that if I were to answer his question I mean, I would say Hutchinson is the better player at this point. When you watch what he's able to do out there, the effort that he plays with, I mean, he's a Tasmanian devil. And I guess that's how it looks. I mean, Brian Burns is coming with it. He's bringing it. But Hutchinson, I mean, good Lord, he looks like he's going 150 miles an hour every snap. He's got moves on moves. He He's a great technician. And I think if I was to give a little bit of an edge over him, to when you compare him to Brian Burns, it's just that he's a little more of a technician. Burns, you still see he'll give you a bull rush every now and then to get by a guy, or he'll he'll bend that corner on him, or like the one move that he got when he uh, gave a guy a little shimmy and then went inside on him. Well, his speed rush is really hard to keep but up But it's with. just as yeah. far as the, the, the violent hands and putting his hands on guys' chest and then being able to do karate with them. That's still a part of his game that you need to uh, be able to do. I'm not talking about breaking boards or anything like that, but just the wax on, wax off with the hands like Mr. Miyagi. You know what I'm saying? Like Hutchinson does that. The pop culture references are strong for us today. <laughs> we got Princess Leia being Bryce Young. Yeah. Yes, Big Cat Dan, you are so right. Bryce is Princess Leia. Asking Austin <laughs> Corbett, a.k.a. Obi-Wan Kenobi, help me, Austin Corbett, you're my only hope. Here you are saying Brian Burns is like, the karate kid, learning yeah, from Mr. Miyagi. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Justin Houston is Mr. Miyagi, and Brian Burns is the karate kid. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, then you add that Detroit's going to bring back Jamison Williams this week as well, and that's another guy you got to at least give some attention to with that kind of speed. Um, but I, I can't really point to anything that I would say is massively That's what I'm saying. Because a lot of the guys that we expected to show up have. Now, I know how you felt about Dante Jackson. I differ there. I'll wear that. I'll wear but that. But Burns and, and Brown have been as advertised for the most part. Now, Brown's grade has slipped a little bit when you look at PFF, but 
Uh, Louvu's been pretty much as advertised. So bad tackling game, first outing, but oh well, he's all over the field. Yeah. So I, I think that defensively, they're sitting in a little bit better spot, but still need some tweaking there. They're not playing great football by any stretch of the imagination as far as on a down in, down out basis. Last one, 704 brought up another guy we should talk about just a little bit, maybe even focus on him a little bit later. But mm-hmm. YGM having his best year by far. Maybe also him being a version of the karate kid. Tied for second on the team in sacks. Showed up in this game against Minnesota. Good yeah. for him, man. He's got a career high three and a half sacks. He's already at two and a half. So as we talked about, there could be many different factors leading to that. And that's where uh, Justin Houston could really be showing up as far as his help for YGM, man. But he, he looks like a different player, too. You see his demeanor. He's playing with a nasty disposition. He, he's bringing juice. Uh, when he's getting back there making plays. And so you, you have to love what you see out of YGM. All right. This has led us to what I think is a fun question. Pick any Carolina Panther you want and compare them to a pop culture figure, whether it be a character, anything like that. I like Simon Says saying, I guess that makes Calvin Throckmorton uh, three CPO or C-3PO, thank you. C-3PO. I apologize for the Star Wars nerds. Well, because he's the one delivering the message, right? Uh, Like, he's the guy, he's the one. That was R2. Well, it's R2. Yeah. So I guess I don't know how it is, C-3PO. Maybe Throckmorton is R2-D2. Who would be Jabba the Hutt? That's just going to be an insult no matter who you call Jabba the Hutt. I've often compared Fiddy's laugh to Crumb's laugh, the little character that sits on Jabba the Hutt. When he, oh, yeah. when he gets high pitch, it's a lot like that. I yeah. apologize, Fiddy. I can't call anybody Jabba the Hutt, man. Yeah, I know. I, I just had to throw that out there. You know, There's like somebody that. you're thinking of, Mix though. Mix it up. I hope not. All right, let's let's. We don't have a job. Oh, good, good. They might need one at nose guard to help the defense. Though, if you had a job of the hut, I would absolutely start job of the hut at nose at nose tackle right there, right in front, especially in a three four. Woo! Or you remember if well, you might be a little young for Spaceballs, Pizza the Hut. Spaceballs is a fantastic, fantastic vehicle, dude. Let me. I mean, you guys weren't even born then. Uh, but we, yeah, but I've seen it. But yeah, Spaceballs no. is enough of a okay, thing. I've been jammed. Didn't know, I didn't know. Yeah, Shroppy got real yeah, excited. Pizza yeah. the Hut. Yeah. yeah, there we go. All right, I want to. <laughs> I want to do it. We don't have a fitty flash, but I don't want to skip it. Let's drop it like it's hot, Shroppy. Go ahead. Ooh, rather be golfing with an insult. Hard shot. All right, so for the first update, we're going over to Shams, who has dropped a bomb saying that the 76ers, Joel Embiid has decided to play for Team USA in the 2024 Let's go. Paris Olympics. That's we didn't uh, we didn't take that loss in whatever tournament it was coming up, you know. What what was that? It the took three FIBA? L's. Yeah. Took three. Yeah. We're not doing that again. No, they are sending the A team up there. I can't wait. I love it cuz Every USA basketball loss, when they disappoint, that means that the big dogs are coming out, man. And I can't wait to see Curry. I'm probably going to cop that Curry Olympic jersey. That that That's going to be a thing. Uh, this is a monster deal, by the way, if you care about uh, USA basketball. Because we didn't expect Joel Embiid was even going to suit up. And and if he was, we didn't know if it was going to be for the USA. It might have been for a different country. Yeah, he said his other options were France and Cameroon. And we thought it might be for France. We were, or even yeah, either one. But we didn't really expect him to be suiting up for USA. But remember, all the talk was how much we need size, especially in a international league. Instead of how the NBA favors small ball, 
This is a monster deal. So really happy to get Joel Embiid. Go USA, go. No doubt. It's Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Wes's ACC QB Pal Rankings. Coming up next, Sports Radio 92.7 FM. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Next line is full of Panthers slash Star Wars comparisons. A lot of people having fun with Jabba the Hutt comparisons. They would. Delvis the Rock telling you that he works with a couple people that might be compared to Jabba the Hutt. Hopefully, a lot of Jabba the Hutt's walking around. (laughs) (laughs) So messed up, man. Jabba, is there a word? I mean, I'm sure there are worse characters to be compared to, but Jabba's pretty far up there. Homesick Panther said maybe Derek Brown, big and imposing, one of the most powerful people. He's saying it in a good way. He is. He's trying. Yeah, I, I saw that, and I was like, yeah, but. You still don't want that comparison. Jabba's just big and slow. Yeah. There. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. It's not good. Moose, <laughs> Moose said Chandler Savala is Aquaman. He's in a position of power, but the most useless one there. LMAO. Wow. <laughs> do we like Aquaman? No. I do. Okay. I don't know the superhero game like that. I Tr- did. I like the first movie. I don't know if I'll go see the second one. Okay. I mean, if you're not going to go see the second one, then how good was the first one? Well, the first one was dope, but it's like the state that DC is in right now, they haven't been making too much good as of late, and it's already rumors coming out that it's not good, the Uh, second one. I mean, you would think I'd like Aquaman. Given the you should. whole aquarium, I think you tank should watch nature. the first one. I think you'd like it. Okay, I'll try to give the you. The first one was pretty cool. I'll give you a rundown on it. And All last right. one, Big Cat Dan said Frankie Louvu is Django Fett. He didn't give us a reason as to why. I like Django Fett. I just don't. Maybe Frankie, just like all over the place, kind of a cool character. Okay, okay. Maybe you know what I? Maybe I'm doing Big Cat Dan's work for him. But Django Fett, not an overly talked about character, but still really cool. Maybe that's the case because Mina Kimes did have Frankie Louvu as the poster child of the most underrated players in the NFL. Does that work? Yeah, because he's the base for all the clones. Oh, what do you mean? Because we like, want him to, yeah, we want to clone him a little bit more. Yeah, because he was like the best of the best. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, I like that. It look works. At, look at you, shropping it like it's hot. Yeah. It doesn't. It Star Wars doesn't, nerd. Dude. It doesn't just happen during the updates. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Let's go to the ACC QB Pal rankings. Wes, you tell me. We do it every single week. 
I want to know how much movement we got coming into this week. Number five, who is the fifth best QB in the ACC as it stands right now? Well, first off, let me start this out by saying you can check this out and more on the ACCDN, not the ACC Network with ESPN, but the ACCDN on all platforms, and you can check this out. But starting at number five, Entering for his first time this season, Kate Klubnik from Clemson. Look at you. Yes. Wow. Okay, listen, man, I told you I can be objective. You know what I'm saying? So uh, since the Duke game in his last four games, he's thrown for 1,030 passing yards, 10 passing touchdowns. He also leads the ACC and pass completions, and they went up to Syracuse and handed Cuse their first L of the season. I'm sorry. Number one troll just called me uh, Jar Jar Banks. I was going to tell him, man. Don't be talking about my dog. That was tough. But I know he likes to troll. I'm a little little shook. I'm trying to make sure he's number one troll, Walker. He doesn't mean it. He's just number one troll. (laughs) Jar Jar Banks is fighting words. Kate Klubnik, number five on Wes's power (laughs) ranking list. That is impressive. Did not expect it. Kate Klubnik, number five. Who's number four? It was hard. Okay, yeah. Uh, So number four, (laughs) moving up a spot is uh, Jack Plummer from Louisville. The stats weren't overly impressive versus NC State, but the Cardinals are still undefeated. Uh, He's eighth nationally in passing yards per completion, so he's letting that thing go, and he's not throwing. There's no dinking and dunking with Jack Plummer. And he's 17th nationally in pass efficiency, man. I think he might be one of the more underrated quarterbacks in uh, all of college football. Yeah, second in the ACC in passing yards total. You mentioned despite not a ton of points scored against NC State, still being able to stay up there. Yeah. Impressive from Jack Plummer coming in at number four. Number three on Wes's power rankings. Who you got? Uh, we're going to go with Drake May out of North still Carolina. Not so he's still there. After he's the a, bye, understandable. He's 11th in the a- NCAA in passing yards per game. He's fifth in the ACC in pass efficiency. Carolina's still undefeated. Uh, you know, he's got that five to four touchdown to interception ratio right now. But, you know, I'm still giving him the, the, the credit for him being a, a top-notch prospect and the physical skills. Uh, that he had. All right, number two on Wes's ACC QB power rank. Uh, number two, still more the same. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke out of Miami. He has 13 big-time throws, according to PFF. That leads all Power 5 quarterbacks, and he's also second uh, in all of college football in pass efficiency and the number two overall quarterback when you talk offensive grade and passing grade, according to PFF. All right, so number two is Tyler Van Dyke. Who is number one, Wes? Still number one right now, man, Jordan Travis of Florida State. He still has the best wins of anyone over uh, with wins over LSU and Clemson. Uh, he's six right now in total touchdowns at TDR, whichever you prefer. And he's thrown at least one touchdown in 16 consecutive games. That's the longest streak by FSU quarterback since uh, Jameis Winston. Um, Riley Leonard not on this list. Yeah. And, no, and man, what a weird season for him. I gave him honest. a quick shout out, you know, at the end of the, of the video, you know, wishing him a speedy recovery, got knocked out by injury or else he still would have been. Uh, in the mix on here. Yeah, what do we do with Riley Leonard's season? Because, you know, the passing numbers aren't there. The rushing totals, they are. He ran for 97 against Northwestern, ran for 88 against Notre Dame, 98 against Clemson. Yeah. Wes, when they play the big games, they rely a lot on his legs. Mm-hmm. That's just how it's been. Clemson, Notre Dame, clearly the biggest two, and then had one in there where he ran for 97 against Northwestern, as I mentioned. Three passing touchdowns at this point. Yeah. One interception. Not throwing a ton. But still, 
I love Riley Leonard, right? Like it, it doesn't mean that I like him any less, but the stats, if we were to go by that, they're not top notch, like the other top quarterbacks in all of college football. But man, I just view those as really misleading. Well, the thing was too, again, you, you check PFF coming into last week. He was top 10. He was number eight in overall grade for quarterbacks. Uh, that slipped significantly since the Notre Dame game. He's got the third best run grade, but 52nd in offensive grade. So, yeah, it hasn't been a guard a year for them. I think Duke really, really relies on that run game with him. Jordan Waters, uh, I forget the other kid. He's pretty good, too. So, Duke's got a couple of good backs, but they really play kind of old-school football in a new-school way. They spread you out, but they're spreading you out to run the football they do that very well, and then Riley, you know, they throw kind of when they need to. But I also think Jalen Moore's been a little bit uh, – not Jalen Moore, but uh, Jalen Calhoun's Calhoun, been yeah. a little bit disappointed. Had a couple year. drops in big yeah, games. Yeah, he hasn't been quite what we thought he would be. And then Jordan Moore on the other side, I mean, he's, he's a decent player, but I don't think they have uh, just really, really big threats out on the outside if you had to point to a weakness of the offense that's – that's what I would I would say, too. So I think all of that has kind of contributed. I think Duke's game plan and then also the receiver talent around him could be a little better. And that's why I think you haven't seen the numbers. But that's the thing. Like, for a couple of guys, Drake May, only five touchdown passes. Yeah. Riley Leonard, light on the touchdown passes as well. So those were two guys I was expecting to see their numbers steadily get gaudier and gaudier. Um, I am continuing to read some of the Star Wars comparisons. Keep them coming. <laughs> this is actually a great topic. People are having fun with this. Number one troll, despite him calling me Jar Jar Binks, he called you Mace Windu, which, of course, the only black Star Wars Jedi that we can point to, <laughs> Wes, is going to be Mace Windu. But Mace Windu, total badass. Top tier character. Oh, yeah. Oh. Purple. Okay, uh, well, I'll take that. Purple lightsaber. <sighs> right? Straight fire as one yep. Wace, Mace slash Wes would say. Okay. Uh, he also called Fiddy an Ewok, which is just <laughs> which is just cruel. No, but, it's perfect. I mean, Ewoks are kind of cute, though. They're so cute. They are. Yeah. So Okay, so Fiddy's not an Ewok. <laughs> I didn't say he it. Said it. <laughs> I, that, that's all you, Shroppy. And uh, also, a couple people are comparing Matt Rule to Jar Jar Binks. So it's not me. But other people are saying yeah, a lot Matt, of Jar Jar on the uh, for for Matt section. Rule though yeah seven oh four said not to bring up bad memories but Rule was Jar Jar Binks the character wasn't needed nobody asked for him and everyone disliked him <laughs> stuff now he's in Nebraska Naboo Nebraska it's the oh, same thing you like that Shroppy I liked it I got that comparison I also, right I saw someone compared uh, Jabba to David Tepper. Yeah, also Palpatine comparisons for oh, Temper. Not like that. Uh, oh, just straight evil. Yeah. That's tough. David Temper has some problems, no doubt. But Palpatine seems <laughs> excessive. Step, step too far. Like only the worst character in, in like... <laughs> The 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 empire the emperor yeah that's a little tough all right let's go to the one o'clock hour coming up next on Weston Walker it's the campus corner sports radio ninety two seven WFNZ.